0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast. And today is another one of our interviews and our freedom stories. And we've got an awesome one today. Um, We'll have Phil Ogilvy on. And Phil is, um, he's been an entrepreneur for a long time. Uh, he didn't start off that way. He started off with a job, uh, but it was a, a long time ago. And he's got a really interesting story of that time uh in his life. So Phil, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me.
0: You are welcome. I'm so glad to have you on. It was fun talking to you a little bit about your story before this, and I can't wait to share it with the audience. So why don't we start with that first? Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a fun story. And I, if you've heard it before, uh, I apologize for repeating myself, but it is it, it people get uh, people get entertained, and I enjoy telling the story because it's and it's you know it's like you and I laughed about when we started, right? It's sort of like it's a much better story now that I'm on the successful end of it Uh, in the, in the early days, maybe the story wasn't so fun to tell, but, um, so, so look, I, I am, uh, you know, I, I graduated from high school in 1978. I, my, uh, I remember sitting down with my parents and, uh, my, my mom and dad said, you know, Philip you, you know, student loans weren't even a thing in those days. Right. Um, and my parents said, "Philip, we've got twenty-five hundred bucks saved for your college fund, or your dad has an opportunity for you to join the Sheep Metal Workers Union in Dayton, Ohio, and they're building a couple of big General Motors plants, and they need a lot of help. And so you can start tomorrow making fifteen dollars an hour in the Sheep Metal Workers Union, or you know, we can see how far this twenty-five hundred bucks will go to, to get you college educated." So my decision was uh, pretty simple. It seemed to me at the time, and you know, it. Uh, 18 and a half years old, I was making more than a lot of my, my buddy's parents, you know, uh, 15 bucks an hour in 1978 was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I worked in construction and I, I literally, you know, worked with my hands. I worked as hard as I could. I tried to, I tried to justify that big, what felt like a big wage back in those days. And, uh, and, uh, and I worked hard and, you know, and I was employed gainfully and, and I bought a house and married my, you know, high school sweetheart at the time, and. And uh, we had a baby and another one on the way, and you know that was life. Um, but before you know it, um, you know my earliest memories. Uh, I remember Jimmy Carter was in the White House, inflation was rampant, just destroying the country. You couldn't get a loan. I, I remember uh, you know thinking about buying my first house. I ended up buying it on a land contract because the bank was charging seventeen percent interest for a real estate loan in those days, and so. Uh, the economy was really in in bad shape and so i lost my job and and you know found myself uh, unemployed for the first time in my life i uh i I remember well in those days i don't know if you still do it or not but i had to drive to the unemployment office and i did that a couple times and uh you know sign a paper and i applied here and i applied there and all this stuff and i just it was demoralizing you know really and i thought this isn't me and it's not going to be my life so i uh i bought a book on how to put a roof on your house. And, Mm uh, I, I didn't know anything about roofing really other than I'd been around the roofers in my sheet metal trade, but I knew Mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you had a roof leak, you needed to fix it, even if interest rates were at 15%. Right. So, uh, I then went down to the local yellow pages office, which was the Google of its time Mm -hmm. and, uh, and spent an enormous amount of money. I remember coming home and telling my then wife, I just spent $600 a month uh, for a yellow pages ad. That's going to put us in the roofing business, honey. And, uh, uh, we didn't have <laughs> much in the in the bank, but at the end of the day, um, that's how I got. You know, I sort of made the transition out of the building trades and into the into the trades as a as an owner, as a contractor. And I I started roofing people's houses, and people would call, and I'd go out and give them a price. And then I hired some of my buddies, and I bought an old you know piece of crap truck that I could afford, and and my roofing business was born. Hmm you know, along the way, and I made a living at that for a number of years and moved into commercial got bigger, we had a, we got up to about 50 employees. I remember at one time, I did a lot of big commercial jobs around the Dayton, Ohio market. And, uh, you know, fast forward, probably 10, 12 years. And um, I remember I brought home my first personal computer. And uh, at that time, it was, you know, I, I think it was like $2,000 for this computer. And it had a, a green screen and you know but but it had a spreadsheet on computing it.
0: computing power of a calculator
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 but i remember it had a, a lotus spreadsheet on it and I, I got to learn how to do lotus and i started man i started using this for my estimating you know and it was just this is an amazing powerful tool and anyway i went to a I, it was somewhere traveling and i and i was in the airport bookstore and i brought home a book called quick basic for kids because i knew my oldest son justin was kind of interested in computers and so at the time there was a quick basic language and it came on this floppy disk and you plug it into your computer and mm-hmm. I brought it home and I thought you know I actually have four kids and now two stepdaughters but I have four kids at, and at the time and I brought it home I thought one of them will be interested in it and um you know most of them ignored it except for my oldest Justin and I, I remember coming home a couple of weeks later and Justin had a game with stuff shooting at each other on this computer screen I thought this is really super cool I said Justin what if we bought you some more books and you know we, we uh We'll create some estimating software for my business, for the, for the family roofing business. And mm. that, was, that was really uh, kind of the beginning of it. And, and it, it like everything else in life that you'll ever do, it took, took, took longer and it took more money than I anticipated, right? Mm-hmm. Justin, I think when we started this journey was about 13. Um, but I can tell you by the time Justin was 17, I had not only had we created the software we used in our own business, I'd sold about a half a million dollars worth of our Buildware pro estimating software by the time my son was 17 years old. And, uh, at that point I decided no more roofing. I, kind of transitioned out of the roofing business and into the software business. And, uh, I I remember there was sort of an aha moment for me in those days too, because I was coming back from a customer who I just signed up up in Dayton and, uh, he bought my software and he was running his own roofing business, you know, doing the estimating using my software. And, I remember him going on and on about the impact this product had on his on his life and on his business. He was bidding more work and less time. He was more effective. He was more accurate. And he had more time to spend with his family at home and, you know, watch his kids play baseball and do all the things that dads want to do. And, you know, that's the light bulb went off for me then. And I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, Ooh. oftentimes it's it's really not the money necessarily that guides you. Right. you have heard that said, and it's probably a cliche, but it's It's really not about the money. It's about delivering value. If I deliver value to you, you'll pay me at some point, right? And if I deliver enough value to enough people, I'll uh, I'll get paid well. But that's really the way the life works. And we often forget that, but that's the way the world works. So um, sure enough, I made the transition into the software business. Well, by now, it's approaching the the dot-com days, if you can Mm -hmm. imagine. So follow my little timeline here. So we moved from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and uh and my you know my son i think justin was 17 or 18 and and i got the idea what if we create because our software allowed you to measure blueprints on your computer screen oh wow you would load up an image of a blueprint and you can measure it on your computer screen and that was really revolutionary at this back in the days well it gave me the idea when the internet was born because i would talk to customers and they'd say man i love this on-screen measuring but there's no where do I go to get a digital blueprint? In those days, yeah. everybody was shipping big rolls of paper, right? Yeah, and you had to have some means of scanning
0: that to get it up into the exactly. computer. Yeah, right.
1: yeah, no, that's right. And and they were that's what they would say to me. They're like, So do I have to take my blueprints to the blueprint shop and have them scan it in and then give me a disk back and then load it into the software? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, that's one way to do it. Well, when the internet came along and, and it occurred to me, because I, you know, I had spent so much time in construction and now on the software side, but but it occurred to me, what if we created an application that would allow a contractor to um, issue invitations to bid using this online portal, if you will, wow. to his subcontractors, right? And a general could send an invite to a thousand subcontractors, which was not uncommon in the commercial space. Yeah. Um, and they could use this new tool that I'm developing to do that. And then they could send PDF files, right? And the, and the, the, the subcontractors could download a PDFs creates a bigger, bigger market potentially for our buildware software, right? That was the idea. Um, and so, and by now the dot-com thing is raging. I'm reading articles, you know, people are getting, you know, this kid's, uh, his dad was a project manager for Swinnerton, um, California. And the next thing you know, he's developed a project management application and he's getting a hundred million dollar valuation and the whole world's changing. And I'm just like, wow you know, well, look what's going on here. I got to get on this. Boat. I can only do
0: this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I knew I had a great idea and I, I literally spent, uh, you know, I, I wrote a business plan for this thing. Uh, I hired a, an exchange student uh, who went to the university of Cincinnati. And I remember, well, I, his name was Raymond, Andy is Raymond, Andy. And I picked Raymond up on a Friday night and bring him to, to Westchester, where we had a little office. We had two cots. We'd put in the office. Raymond and my son Justin would literally write code on our prototype and I would deliver pizzas and egg McMuffins and they were happy because they were nervous <laughs> to get the right code and hang out. I mean, you know, I'm struck, <laughs> funny memory going in on a Sunday, you know, night to take Raymond home and I'm thinking, man, these guys need a shower, you know, yes. it's just, it's, it was just it was just two guys you, know, <laughs> you left that part out of it that you know
0: <laughs> shower into the office so it's actually take a shower yeah,
1: I know I know I know it's funny now thinking back on it but anyway so that's how we got going and, and I and I, I hired a guy to, to help me make introductions to uh, investors and I you know I needed to put some money into this thing and uh, I traveled to San Francisco Boston Chicago all the time New York all the time. Um, everybody loved it. I mean, I met with some of the wealthiest people in the country and they're like, wow, this is great. Nobody's doing this. I'm like, no, nobody's doing this, but, you know, give me some money. Let's, let's go do this. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, nobody wanted to put money in the pocket of a roofer with a high school education from Springfield, Ohio. Right. It mm-hmm. was just, uh, I didn't really fit the mold. Yeah. But I, I ended up finding an investor in Cincinnati, a guy named Andrew Green, who truly was my angel investor. And I'll never forget having a call with him. I'd have had hundreds of those by this point. Um, but Andrew, I call him up and he says, "You know what, Philip?" He said, I, "I'm not sure what you're doing." I showed him the, the product. You know, he, I'm not sure what you're doing, but I really like you. I think you're going to find success. So I'll give you half a million dollars. I, I just like to get my money back at some point, and Ooh. you know, still be friends. But I, you know, I'm willing to take this journey with you. And that's really how we got started. The, the first business was called isquarefoot.com, isqft.com. com, yeah. um, Isqft And I, once I raised that money, then I started building a management team around me. Um, and it, you know, it was it was funny. I, I, I hired I ended up hiring a guy. Um, that his name's Dave Conway, and I, and I made Dave Conway the CEO of the business because Dave had a ton of experience raising money, and I really felt like. You know we had momentum now we just needed to raise enough money quickly and we were going to be part of this big dot-com success story uh that's what many many of us believed at those times yeah. right um, but i hired dave dave had a lot of experience raising money long story short um you know we we struggled we didn't we didn't raise any money and, and we constantly we it, we were always running up against i remember many times calling andrew green and saying andrew you know, we're we're out of money. We got payroll on Friday. Can I pick up a check for a hundred grand? And he would hang a hundred grand on the door, and we'd we'd make payroll, and literally kept us alive like that for probably month after month after month. I remember uh, we had an investment group, and I I probably shouldn't name any more names because it's 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 not always pretty for everybody, and everybody has their own you know perspective on these stories. But there was a group out of Cincinnati that came in, and they said, look. We're going to put five million dollars in your business. Really like what you're doing. We want you to go get a thousand customers. Come back. That'll be the proof we need to get this done. Yeah. So, okay, put your head down. Go get a thousand customers. You know, make it happen. We did that. It probably took three and a half months. And I remember we sit in the conference room. We were listing all our customers. We had like a thousand and thirty or something. We weren't going to. Be sure, <laughs> you know, we, were, we were going to make sure. So we bring these investors back in the VC firm, and we're like, "Here, look. Here it is. Look." Uh, look what we've done, you know. Let's keep going here. Are you guys ready to go? And they said, you know, they looked at it and they said, look, uh, we'd feel a lot more comfortable if you give it another thousand, and then oh we'll gosh. reinvest for sure. And you know, at that point, given everything I just described to you, I, it's just my nature. I couldn't help myself. Probably not the best move in my life, but I looked these guys in the eye and I said, "Fuck you guys, Yeah. <laughs> Hit the door. We're done with you, right? We're done with you." And That was uh, pardon my French, Jeff, but it was there was so much stress involved, and you know we had an our investor had already not get a thousand
0: <laughs> customers in three months, and that's <laughs> not
1: good enough. Exactly, exactly. No, no, no. You guys don't understand. So anyway, fast forward. This was on a Thursday night or, or something like that. and and you know Conway and I are you know kind of going like this after these guys leave, and I and I said, look, I, you know we'll find somebody else, right? This they're not the, they're not the right fit. Well, Monday morning. I meet with Conway again. He says, I got he said, I spent the weekend talking to these guys and they're willing to put the money in. That's the good news. The bad news is you give up your board seat. You name me the CEO and they'll put the money in. Yeah. Or I quit. You know, we can't make payroll on Friday and, you know, the gig's up. So I'm yeah. not So long story short, I kind of got squeezed there and, and ultimately said, yes, put the money in, blah, blah, blah. It went on to be a big success story, candidly. We had thousands of customers, you know, 10 years later, the business was sold. Um, I got tired of not running my own show anymore. So I left and I pulled Justin with me my wife, Jane, now my my uh, my, my new wife, I say new, she's been with me 22 years. But mm-hmm. uh, Jane, Justin and I left and started Stack. Uh, Stack Construction Technologies is our new business. And um, we've been doing this since 2013 and uh, the business has exploded. It's a hugely valuable business. I mentioned to you, you know, it's, it's, it's a very valuable business. We have hundreds of employees, uh, you know, life is, is dramatically better, but we ended up selling Ice Per Foot, the last business. I think the business sold for $85 million. And as I told you, I'm one of those entrepreneurs that, you know, sold a business for a ton of money and didn't get paid, right? I had a bad deal with the investors, um, you know, Conway was very dilutive, he raised a lot more money um uh, under really bad terms and at the end of the day, you know, I got very little out of it and had to do it all over again. And yeah, uh yeah. and that's well, what I, I did with that. that. But you know, that's just uh that's that's what life that's what life uh, does to you sometimes. But again it, it looks a lot better on the other side where we are today.
0: Yeah. Well and I mean I, I think that's that's an important lesson to learn. I mean so many people oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to raise money every round, you know, all these different rounds. And what people don't realize is you keep diluting and diluting and diluting your ownership. And I mean, yeah. you, you really got painted into a corner. I mean, it, it you know, it was a situation where it's like, okay, the company's either going to survive or it's not. And I I believe in what I, I believe in our mission and, you know, it just yep. painting you into a corner at that point. But
1: yeah, no, that's 100% right. That's 100% right. And, you know, I and mean, again, you live and learn. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, that's been the journey. And, and, uh, and and so, yeah. So
0: let's talk a little bit about Stack. So, so what exactly is it that you guys do today different from what you were doing before?
1: Yeah. You know, great question. And, and and candidly, Stack's a much better business than iSquareFoot ever was, you know, fundamentally and on every front Uh, we have an amazing uh, team of leaders, but iSquareFoot was really in the construction news business. When you broke it all down, we really didn't sell estimating software as much as we sold construction news. And they're still in that business, by the way. They're owned by Roper Technologies. It's been a big success story that Roper ended up buying i Square Foot along with a handful of other businesses and kind of rolled them up uh, for $600 million back in 2015. And, and they've owned it ever since. It's been a big success story. But i Square Foot sells construction news. So if you want to sign up for a lead service and find new jobs that are bidding, that's what i Square Foot does. It's what we did okay. in those days. It's what it does. Um, what we do at Stack is we build, a, we build an application. We started in takeoff. So we were the first takeoff software. Takeoff means measuring, right, on a blueprint. And we were the first takeoff software in the cloud when we launched in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, the question then in my mind and a lot of people's minds was, would people trust the internet, an internet-based application for a mission-critical Task like this, like what if it's bid day and my internet goes down, or you know? So there was a lot of questions about will people buy a cloud-based solution for this or not? We didn't really know, but we we bootstrapped it. We literally started in our basement. Uh, Justin worked out of his apartment in downtown Cincinnati. Jane and I worked out of the basement of our house. And so uh, um, let
0: me stop you here. So Justin actually had a shower.
1: uh, (laughs) He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, He did. And and his hygiene is much better these days, Jeff, than it was you know as a teenager, but. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but that's a different story. A different story. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so, but then, so we, we literally were waiting on Iceberg foot to sell uh, and, and we literally, we bootstrapped it. I mean, we just, you yeah. know, yeah, one customer at a time. I would call them and sell them. Jane would collect the money. Justin would write the code, fix the last bug, you know, everything we needed Ooh. to do. And we just kind of kept our head down and pretty soon we had about 600 customers. And nice, uh, I, I remember Justin, you know, drove down to the farm and the three of us sat and, and, and met and we're like, we got, I, I told him, I said, we got to raise money. We, you can't, you really can't be a small software business. It just yeah. doesn't really work. I mean, yeah, you,
0: you can't scale it enough
1: to, you can't, yeah, to, to, to make it tremendously valuable. You know, you've got to really make, you know, you got to, you got to kind of push your chips in. So but of course, this time around, I knew what to look for in terms of an agreement and in terms of investors and all that. And I was much smarter about it. So we yeah. went out this time. It was much easier to raise money. Right. I can say that for sure. Mm-hmm. I have with I square foot as a backdrop, much yeah. easier yeah. to raise the money. But we went out and raised, I think, a million dollars right off the bat, uh, ended up raising a couple more and uh, and really got the business stood up. And at that point, mm-hmm. I was able to hire more developers and, you know, a, a head of marketing and really start to build a business around it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, and that along the way, you know, just kind of continuing with the stack story. Um, one thing that that's been really important to our growth and success, I got the business to about $5 million as the, as the owner and sort of the managing partner. And, Mm -hmm. and I knew from the beginning, we brought in a group out of uh, New York called Level Equity. They invested in us in December of 2017. And I remember... Uh, meeting with those guys. And I said, look, I'm not an operator. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not an operator. And it's important for people like me right, as an entrepreneur to understand where your strengths are, what you do well and what you don't do well. And so I said, let's get this to about $5 million in revenue. And then I want to bring in an operator. Mm -hmm. right?" And sure enough, we got to about four, four and a half. And we started a search. We hired, I spent an enormous amount of money again, you know, sometimes you just need to spend it. But uh, we hired an outside firm to help us find uh, an operator, a chief operating officer was going to be his or her title. And I interviewed some very, very talented folks. Uh, They did a great job raising these guys up and men and women both. And at the end of the day, I found a guy who uh, his name's Ray DeZenzo. Ray is with me today. He's my COO and my CFO. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's been really a game changer for the business. You know, when you when you when you bring the passion and the, and the product and the desire and you know all the all things that I brought to the table and then you bring it together with someone whose nature is to organize, structure, focus on data, make data driven decisions, manage people—that's um, a powerful combination. When you really fill in the gaps that you've got, yeah. that's why it's yeah. important to understand where those gaps are. Because as soon as you can fill them, you want to fill them, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you've got a complete. Kind of solution going forward that really gains steam a lot faster, right? And that's where the business is today. And and we're really cooking with gas. We use Salesforce to to manage the business. I can tell you based on last night, you know how likely you are to churn out if you're a three million dollar painter located in North Carolina. You know we 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 really know every aspect of our business. We've we've expanded beyond takeoff. We added estimating. So okay. so we now have a cloud-based solution. We focus on the subcontractor, by the way, as a customer. We added estimating about two years ago. That's been a big success. We just added uh, real-time pricing from pricing services. Um, But we're also now adding project management. So we're really expanding beyond, you know, the the initial sort of point solution and we're becoming a platform. You're
0: you're a full suite that normally they would probably have three or four different suites of product. You're just a full suite
1: platform, which is fantastic. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are pushed into project management tools based upon their general contractor, you know, so the project will... The general contractor will say, "I want you to use this product or Procore, or I want you to use this or whatever it is." And the, the problem is those folk, those tools aren't designed for the sub, and so the sub ends up basically contributing all of his data for his project management, you know, responsibilities to the general contractor. But when he when he leaves the job, none of that data comes with him. So yeah. we're really solving that problem now as a platform at Stack. And uh, it's really changing the velocity of the business and the pace at which we grow. We're growing, we've grown 40% year over year the last three years in a row. Uh, yeah. That's easy to do when you're 3 or 4 million. It's a little harder when you're at 20 million. Yeah. But we continue to put you know, fuel in the fire. We continue to expand. The platform is really growing. Uh, we expect to actually increase our rate of growth next year. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're really in a great spot with the solution. It's, and it's great. You know All these folks, the companies that, that I used to compete with or still do in some ways, you know, they're all coming after me and they want to buy our product and they want to own stack and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know, I don't think so. We're good. We're we're growing and we're going to change the world all over again. You know, that's awesome. Well,
0: at some point point it'll be be so valuable that, okay, fine. When you're done, you're done and you can step away and all of you, you know, step away with a, a nice chunk of change
1: that's exactly right yeah that's exactly right but, uh,
0: but i can just see that just the smile on your face tells me it's fun
1: it's oh, fun it's fun yeah. we we're having a great time we have an, an amazing team of people i mean you know and again i guess you know in terms of helping out your your, your listening audience i mean there's a lot of messages here um one of our core values is optimism and you okay. just don't get here we don't even it, it's it's table stakes as we call it for for what you're trying to do right you've got to be optimistic you've got to believe I have fundamentally believed at my core since I was 17 years old, that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Yeah. And I've internalized that. I believe that I live in the greatest country on the planet. There's nowhere on the planet that gives you this kind of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a big, big message I want people to really internalize. And, but if you don't believe it, if you, if you don't believe, if you haven't bought into that and you don't believe it, you're not going to succeed. You just won't yeah. because it's too hard. Yeah, it is hard.
0: Well, it's you. Yeah, you have to have that. You have to always be thinking that it's going to be better down the road. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen this just like I have. How many people have gotten into business that, you know, and, you know, 18 months later when it when it really gets hard, those first you know 24 months are just absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't if you don't have a vision or if you're not a a, a true believer, it just gets too hard and you give up and go get a job someplace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. And, you know, I mentioned optimism is one of our core values. Ownership is another one. And <laughs> so to me that, and, and in this context, it's important that I, I own that statement I just made to you, right? That, that yeah. my life can be better, that will be better tomorrow than it is today. And mm-hmm. whose job is it? It's me. Yeah. Right. You're looking for the government or, you know, some, somebody else to make this happen for you or hand you or put you in a position where it happens, forget about it. You've got to not only be optimistic, you've got to absolutely own it in your core, in in Mm -hmm. that person in the mirror that you look at every day. That's whose job it is.
0: But you, you know, I I think, you know, your story tells it too. You also have to own your mistakes and say, okay, you know, the first time we made a mistake, you know, in, in what we were doing, we, you know, we, we did what we had to do, but, we made a mistake. That's not going to happen again. I'm That's not right. putting myself or, and my team in that position ever again. And you learn from those mistakes, and and hopefully people listening today can learn from those mistakes as well. To say, okay, you know, let's think of it as a different option. Is is there a different option than making this decision? You know, that I've kind of pointed myself into. Is there a better way, or is yeah. there an alternative way?
1: No, that's right. Yeah, it's 100% right. Yeah, it's 100% right. And I, that I you know, my, my, my middle son, Brandon, is a school teacher in Cincinnati Public Schools. And I, I tell him all the time if, if there's any message you could get across to these kids, the most important thing in my mind is it's on them. They yeah, have yeah. this opportunity and it's on yeah. them. So, don't look anywhere else, it's in, it's in here but it's the biggest opportunity in the world. And we're so blessed to have it yeah. living in this. Country. Not
0: everybody's, yeah, not everybody's going to build a $250 million company or whatever. Yep. It's okay. You know, yep. <laughs> success is what you see it as, you know, success is where, you know, if you're happy that you build a, a business or you build some kind of alternative source of income and that, you know, covers your basic needs and, and you can live life well, that success for some
1: people. Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, the the whole point of your Freedom Day, and I love the concept. Um, yeah, it's it's different things for different people, right? But but it all the, everything I'm describing in my mind is required to get to that Freedom Day. No, no question about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean you 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 live the life of it. So, all right, yeah. so let's transition into the fast five questions now. Sure. So you wake up in the morning. Business is totally gone. You still have the information in your head, 500 bucks, a laptop, computer, place to live. What are you going to do first?
1: Uh, Again, great, 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 thought-provoking question, right? Uh, You know, for me, and again, we're we're all a sum of our experiences, right? I, I would probably... I'd probably walk down the street and I'd look for a roof that needed replaced and I'd walk up to the door and I'd ask him if I could r- repair their roof or replace it. And yeah. then I'd go to Home Depot, I'd get an agreement with the homeowner, all right? I'd ask them to give me a deposit to cover the materials. I'd go to Home Depot, I'd buy the materials and I'd see if I could find a couple of guys to help put it on and I'd yeah. pay them out of that deal. And then I'd walk down the street and do another one. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. And and
0: that funds the business and gets it up and running at that point.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's, you know, there's no, there's no substitute either for just human interaction. A lot of people want to build internet businesses and never talk to people or, you know, I've found just the opposite to be my, my, most of my success has come from where I can engage with another human being and I think we're too afraid of that today. And we well, we, I, I think
0: that the challenge people don't, you know, the, the people that do want to, well, I just want to build this internet business that'll go do it. The problem is you don't interact with your customers and find out what their needs are. If you're yeah. if you're not interacting and finding out what their problems and needs are, you're building something that may or may not be saleable to somebody that's out there that you, you haven't solved any problems. So you've got to you've got to start from the perspective of okay, let me find who these people are, understand what their problems and needs are, and then you build a product out from there. And if you want to scale it and, you know, put it on the internet and, and do everything electronic, that's great. But you got to start from somewhere of understanding who your client is.
1: Yeah, you know, and, I, and I, I'll put another thought out there just for your audience. I've always thought about it this way, and especially the further I get in my career and the more sort of failure I have behind me or, you know, and some successes, obviously, and then yeah. And then today, um, but you know, I, I would suggest to anybody who's thinking about starting a business, do it first on a spreadsheet, right? Yep. Start there, everything starts on a spreadsheet, build your business on a spreadsheet uh, and build that spreadsheet and put as much revenue in there as you think you're going to achieve the ability to achieve in your first year, be realistic and so on, try and be realistic, conservative, if you will, on your expenses. But then when you're all done, if that number looks good, right, and you're happy with that number, then go cut the top line in half because that's what's really going <laughs> to happen. Half of what you think, right? And then see what it does to the bottom, and see if you can still endure that. And if you can do that, then you're probably onto something, right? right. What I always tell people: I add one extra
0: add a, one extra thing to
1: that. Cut the revenue
0: in half and double the expenses, and then if it still works, go with it.
1: Yeah, go with it. it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Go Love with it. it. But, it looks, you know, it, it, it goes back to human interaction though, too. As long as you're delivering <clears> value <throat> and if you know you're delivering value, then you're, doing, then you're on the right path. There's something to be said for determination. You can't live without determination and you can't succeed without it. But there's yeah. people, too, that I think are determined around the wrong cause, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to have enough human interaction to really believe that what you're delivering delivers a lot of value to people. Because if it, if it only delivers a little value, move on and find something else. Yeah. Once you find something that delivers a lot of value, then you're onto something. You know it. People tell you it's delivering a lot of value. Then you're onto something that's worth staying determined to finish. Absolutely fantastic. What's
0: the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Um, I tell my kids this all the
1: time. Um, it's it, and if you look back to my whole experience, right, the whole story, right, that I told you about. A big part of the reason that I put that man in the position I put him in was I lacked confidence in myself. Yeah. I personally had never been there. I had never done this before. It was new territory. I lacked confidence in myself. And the more, the more, this is, this will sound, it might sound funny, but the more I, Lived and, and experienced life, and met with you know very wealthy investors, people that have been hugely successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, met with customers, interacted with competitors, publicly owned companies with you know hundreds of millions in revenue and you know billion dollar market caps. And you get in the office and you look these people in the eye, and so often the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean by that, Joe? Yeah. So often the emperor has no clothes, and so. Especially in hindsight, I look back on my journey, and I think the biggest mistake I made was not having enough confidence in myself. Sure. In the early days.
0: Well, and I mean, I th- I think you you had the right confidence in that
1: one, you know, the one situation
0: where you know, oh, we'll go get a thousand customers. Okay, I did that. We'll go get another thousand. No, I'm not yeah. going to. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. absolutely asinine. Why should I do that? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll okay. get a thousand customers, but I need to get funded now. I don't have time to mess around with you guys. You know, pushing exactly. us along.
1: Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. What's
0: a good book that you would recommend to our audience?
1: That's easy. It's okay. very easy. If you're if you're a budding or or aspiring entrepreneur, you should read The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz.
0: Okay, I love this. That's that's the first one I've heard, or that's first time I've heard that one. So that's fantastic. New uh, one to, add it. to our
1: book list. I loved it. It'll put your life and your troubles in perspective. Um, okay. it, it, but the hard thing about hard things, Ben Horowitz. Nice. There's I one know. more too. Uh, the uh, E Myth revisited, yeah. the latest version. The E Myth. I'm sure you're you're aware of the E Myth. Oh yeah. Boy, I can't. I'm, I'm 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 blanking on the on the author. But the E Myth is fabulous too. Michael that, Gerber. You know, that Michael Gerber, exactly. Yeah. You know, I traded messages with him on LinkedIn. I thought that was the coolest thing that he responded That's- to me. That's uh, Yeah, fabulous book. It's a Bible for truly building the business itself. Hands on nuts and bolts. E-Myth. Uh, the new I, one's E-Myth Revisited. I think it's
0: amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, once again, it's it's another one of those things that I, I think hopefully for you, it was one of those things that made you look at, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is where I need to be positioned in the business. And I don't need to be, you know, like yes. the current COO, you know, I'm not an operator. And knowing that I'm not an operator, you know i always tell people is i'm i'm great at creating businesses and being a strategic you know being that 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 strategic visionary i suck at running the business so i need to always have somebody that is my foil you know and fortunately my wife is that way i mean she's she's the operator i'm the you know i'm, I'm the i'm the point of the spear she's the operator and yeah. that, it works perfectly yeah. for us
1: yeah you know and it's funny that a lot of people don't uh, I think a lot of people then and, and that sounds easy and, and logical and and like, okay, well that's perfectly logical. I can do that. But when you really get down to it, it's really hard for people to, oh, to yeah. be really truly honest to the point of being willing to somewhat hand the keys to somebody else, you know. Yeah. But, and,
0: well, and, and trust them to to not overpower. I mean, that's that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake. Okay, well, I suck at this stuff all right, I'm going to have this person come in, but then I'm going to dominate them and try and, you know, get in their their wheelhouse and everything else. And it's like, and, and you know, once again, I live with my business partner and, it, you know, it's, there's a lot of head to head and both of us have very similar personalities. So we kind of bang heads a lot, but, you know, and, and people see us and think that we hate each other. And it's like, you know, we'll, we'll fight for five minutes and then turn around and go, Hey, what do you want for dinner tonight? <laughs> um, you know, but that's, that's, having that respect and and me, you know, especially with my wife, having the respect to to say, okay, you take, you run with this. This is your thing. You know, I mean, I come from a marketing background and she does 90% of the marketing now because I'm not, I, I won't be consistent with it. She is consistent with it and just boom, 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 you know, yeah. get it done and just brings it to me and says, Hey, what do you think of this? Okay. That's great. I, that's what I need. I just need to know that we're going down the right path, but you make it happen. And, you know, I think that was that was a trust factor that we had to develop for for each other. And it took a few years for us to get to that point. And for me oh, yeah. to say, okay, you just run with this, you, you do what you think works. Just show me, you know, let me know where we're going and make sure we're still on the right path that my crazy brain's off doing.
1: <laughs> well, What's once you're building thing? it, yeah, and when it works, it works and you know, it works beautifully, yeah. and, it, and the results are dramatically different. When oh, yeah, When yeah. you've He's got, most got most all most the vast. cylinders hitting on the, yeah, yeah, uh, the, the results are dramatically different. Uh, you know, I tell Ray all the time, we're building a machine. It's a machine, yep. right? And we want the machine to be able to run when he and I both are gone, right? Exactly. The wants to continue to run, and that's how success is really defined, right? Is you can build this machine that runs without you, yeah, hey, but it runs without you, yeah, absolutely. What's a tool that you use in your business every day? Yeah, um, great question. Also, there's two really that we run our business on. One is Slack. And I I think a lot of people are aware of Slack. It's really our, you know, we and and we've done three acquisitions of companies in the last uh, 18 months. And two of those folks are, two of the companies are located in Canada. Okay, Um, Most of our core is still in Cincinnati, but we're much more diverse now. We have employees from California, Miami to Phoenix, uh montreal you know all over the all over the north america uh, mm-hmm. but we use slack to stay connected and we have channels that are very specific for different groups and it's just we do automated bells so i know through a slack bell you know the automated bell when we, every time we make a sale every time we make a renewal how much the renewal's for how much the sales for who made the sale you know. so so it's really a communication tool i think salesforce just bought slack but uh, mm-hmm. we use salesforce and slack and then Salesforce too. Here, here's, here's some advice on Salesforce for anybody out there, um, you know, that it is truly building the machine. At iSquare Foot, we use Salesforce, but we didn't use it right. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize it at the time. I realize it now that we are, I'm in, in an organization that uses it right where the data is clean and we yeah. do everything we can do to keep the data clean. And then we we have a we spent a lot of money, it seemed like early on on a guy who and now has turned out to be just a fabulous investment, right? A Salesforce expert internally. Cool. And we literally have dashboards that can tell you down to the minute, you know, what's going on, who's who's churning, who's buying, you know, where the leads are. How do we compare to this week, last week, the best month ever, the previous year, the previous quarter. So Salesforce and Slack really make the machine, you know, visible and make it run and help us make better decisions. Mm-hmm. I think that's
0: wonderful that, and you know, and that's good to hear because it is a wonderful tool. It's just that it's an overwhelming tool for a lot of yeah. us. So I, I would say invest in somebody that really understands how it works and, and can understand how to integrate it into your business.
1: Yes. And constantly ask more of it, too. That's the thing. You, you just you don't realize what gold is in there until you really, really dig it and you, you have somebody helping you dig. So absolutely. Yeah. So final question. What is your definition of freedom? Uh, you know, I, I think I think the ability to uh, to do what you want to do, you know, I, I uh, a lot of people associate freedom with retirement. That's yeah. really not the same for me. Um, I think I told you the story. I, I quit drinking alcohol about five years ago, and it was the one of the best decisions I ever made, by the way, yeah. if anybody's out there wrestling with that one. Um, and and you'll find when you when you give up alcohol there's more hours in your day like a lot more hours in your day for me yeah, yeah. Uh, and i replaced it with flying lessons like i told you and and i just bought uh, literally a jet aircraft that i fly and and takes me to cincinnati to flagler beach florida in 2 hours and it's changed my world you know yeah. so for me that's that's freedom but i enjoy working so yeah. i enjoy the the freedom that that something like that gives me Uh, And obviously you got to have the money to be able to do that. So, so, so money sort of drives all of it, but it's the freedom to really do what you want, whether that's work, don't work, work from, you know, Florida, work from Cincinnati, work from Montreal, work from Las Vegas, Uh, just free, to me, that's freedom, be able to do what you want.
0: Yeah. Plus, plus the fact that you don't have to wait for three hours in a, in a TSA line. (laughs) <laughs> the bonus
1: plan right there <laughs> yeah 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 put your mask on that mask isn't covering your nose there Jeff what's wrong yeah yeah
0: what's what's going on with that and you know <laughs> you keep taking it down during the flight and, but yeah. it's okay if you're eating you know because <laughs> there's no there's no you're eating. But yeah put it on afterwards yeah it's just silliness that the you know once again the the my favorite words of all time you know the the scariest words in the world I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So please don't. Oh,
1: don't give me. St- we don't have enough time to get me started on the government. That's a whole nother deal today for sure.
0: Well, Phil, if, uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if they've got any questions, what's the what's the
1: best way to do that? Uh, my email address is pogilby at stackct.com. P O G I L B Y at stackct, stackconstructiontechnologies.com. I'd love to hear from you. That's awesome.
0: Well, my friend, I appreciate you so much. Um, it was just a fantastic interview. I loved I love your story, Thank um, you. and I really appreciate you taking the time today on a Friday. Thank so, you. I'm uh, happy to do it. Thanks a lot, uh, folks. You know, once again, these are these are freedom stories, um, and I, I can't I don't have a better one to give you right now. I mean, this is fantastic story from the start to the finish, um, and he's still going. So uh as always every Tuesday and Thursday we put these out so please uh make sure that you keep your eye out for them make sure you subscribe to the channel and a couple things coming up first off um stories like this although we're doing it on the on the audio version of the show we are actually launching a YouTube channel starting here in September of 2022. So go over to the YouTube channel if you want to watch Phil and I on this interview. Um, In addition to that, uh, we will be launching the Freedom Day book in three weeks. So make sure you keep your eyes out for that. We will have a special offer for listeners of the show. So make sure that uh, you keep listening and we will see you back here next time.
1: Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast